0: Faith stabilizes instability, and instability is a problem that we all share, and I sure do. I am not perfect. I wish I were. I'm not as uh, strong as I wish I was, and I have times of instability, and I know you do too. It's just human nature. Acts chapter 11, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we read And you folks at home, you're welcome to stand as well as we read Scripture. We're going to read out loud. We're going to start at verse 19, and we're going to finish off at verse 24. And then um, I think we'll have a word of prayer. A couple of um, Bible words here to watch out for. Phenisei in verse 19, Cyrene in verse 20. And um, I think we're fine. Okay, so let's read together Acts 11, verses 19 to 24. Let us begin. Now, when they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineci and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. This evening I'd like to speak with you on this subject, why every Christian needs to be full of faith. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, help us in this delicate matter of faith. We uh, we confess to you, Father, we don't live every day a day of faith. Often we walk by sight and not by faith and it's really to our discredit and it's really to our loss. Our Heavenly Father, help us and encourage us tonight once again to desire, to understand and desire to live by faith. Help us to do that, we pray, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we humbly ask. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we have here the mention of one of the great heroes of the faith in verse 22, and that is Barnabas. Barnabas, this tremendous man, his name means son of consolation. He was able to come in and to to console and to comfort and to strengthen and to build up and to bless. He just had that kind of ministry about him. I think he was a kind of a, a winsome kind of a, a personality about him, but he's he's. He's quite a man and he's paid a a good compliment here um, because it says here that he is, or that he was, at least anyhow, a good man. You see in verse 24, for he was a good man. That is a good compliment. When God speaks of you in the pages of the Bible as a good man or a good woman, that is a wonderful compliment. And um, uh, also... In verse 24, you'll notice that it goes on and says about Barnabas that he was full of the Holy Ghost, which is something that you and I ought to seek every day. Every day. Get up in the morning and begin asking the Lord to fill your heart with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take control. That's the idea, right? The filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not like a a liquid, like water that I have in this glass here. And just a moment ago, I took a little sip, and so I guess I'm down about 25%, so I got 75% here. And the Holy Spirit is not a liquid, where, you know, you lose a little, you're down, you're down 25% of the Holy Spirit. You only got 75% of the Holy Spirit in you. It's not like that. The Holy Spirit is a person, and you have Him if you're saved. If you're not saved, you do not have the Spirit of God. But if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. And you uh, either are controlled by Him or not controlled by Him. He's either in control or not. Who's really in control of your life? And it ought to be the Holy Spirit. When we put the Holy Spirit in control, that's when wonderful things happen. This was the great secret of power that the New Testament Christians all had. And Barnabas sure understood this. And he clued right into it. And so he was not only a good man, he was full of the Holy Ghost. But also, if you look at verse 24, it says, and of faith. So not only was He full of the Holy Ghost, He was full of faith. And so the Holy Ghost provides the control. The faith is the trust part. Trust in God's Word. When God says something, we act upon it. We believe it and act upon it. That is faith. That is faith. Faith is not some kind of nebulous, unseen sort of figment of your imagination. Faith is a definite trust in a definite promise of God. That is faith. When God says to to go there, well, by faith, we, we obey. God knows what He's doing and He tells me to go there. So I go there and right away, where I was standing, a big piano drops, you know, from the second story window, boom, down onto where I was standing. But because I put faith in what God tells me to do, my life is spared. And I've got a story to tell as well. And this man, Barnabas, was a man who was controlled by the Holy Spirit and he had faith in what God was telling him to do. And as a result of that, a consequence, uh, or maybe as a happy reward perhaps, he was also a soul winner. You see in verse 24, And much people was added unto the Lord. Barnabas was the type who liked to talk to people about the Lord. And ask them if they've heard about someone called Jesus. And if they have uh, if they were to die, do they know for sure that they would go to heaven? Or are they, they doubting that? Do they have fears? And Barnabas would open up conversations and talk to people. And because of his faithfulness, God used him in a special way. Now, we have songs that we sing in our hymn book about faith. And I'm sure glad we have them. I wish we had more of them. And we like to sing songs like... Um, My faith looks up to Thee, Thou Lamb of Calvary, Spirit Divine. And uh, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. There's another favorite of mine. I like that one. uh, Maybe because it uh, uh, sort of helps me to uh, serve the Lord. Faith is the victory. I like that. And the faith of our fathers... uh, That's another dear one to my heart. That's been around for a long time, hasn't it? Faith of our fathers. Right? That's a great one. And there's other songs about faith. And I love them. They're all good. And I do believe that uh, Christians, when they understand faith, they desire that. They want that. They want to uh, live a life of faith. And so we should. And I believe that it's not only... um, a good thing but it's an essential thing it is very important that we live by faith and we can do that if we're going to school or if we're going to work uh, or if we're going out grocery shopping we can live by faith and we need to do that we need to learn to get in the habit of living by faith folks we have too many bad habits we're in so many bad habits of the world. We, we tend to think the world's way. and we, we tend to desire things of the world. And these are bad habits that we need to uh, shed. And we need to adopt new habits. And uh, it's all going to be based on faith. I want to share with you this evening why I believe every Christian needs to live by faith. Four times in the Bible that you'll find that expression, the just shall live by faith. Four times you'll find that in there, that, that expression. And that's important, that speaks to my heart. Uh, it's God's will that you and I, who are saved on our way to heaven, that we live our lives by faith. So very important. And so tonight, I want to give you um, three, anyhow, three benefits to living a life of faith. And remember... We're not talking about some kind of faith. What is that? Well, it's just kind of a good feeling. Oh, it's just sort of a, a blind leap in the, the dark. It's none of that. Faith is where we take what God says and we act upon it. That is faith. The, you know, that's how people get saved, right? They get saved by faith. And they get saved by faith in what? Faith in themselves, faith in their good works, faith in their baptism. Faith in what? Well, faith in the, in the Word of God that says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Faith in the Word of God that says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Faith in the Word of God that says in hell he lift up his eyes. Faith in the Word of God that says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Faith in the Word of God that says for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Faith in God's Word that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Faith in the Word of God that says, We're passed from death unto life. You see? That's how a person gets saved, by faith. And how are we to live our daily lives? By faith. Same principle. And so, I want to suggest to you, number one, that faith stabilizes instability. Faith stabilizes instability. And instability is a problem that we all share. And I sure do. I am not perfect. I wish I were. I'm not as uh, strong as I wish I was. And I have times of instability and I know you do too. It's just human nature. We all do. And faith will stabilize our instability. Now, I believe, for example, faith will keep us steady in times of adversity, when things don't go our way, when the winds of adversity are blowing hard against us, and things are going wrong, and it seems we go from one problem to the next. And we sometimes have days like that, where at the end of the day, you're all wound up and you're frustrated maybe, And you're feeling discouraged and and so on because the day sure didn't go the way you wanted it to go or you were hoping it might. And you were facing adversity. And sometimes it's even worse than that. Well, we put our faith in what God says. And God tells us in Hebrews 13.5, He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We put our faith in God's Word. Matthew 28.20 Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We put our faith in what God says, and all of a sudden we begin to feel peace. It starts stabilizing things. And of course, there's other promises precious to our hearts, like um, Romans 8:28 comes to mind. All things work together for good. To them who are called, to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so God's Word, God's promises come to our rescue. We put our faith in those, and all of a sudden we have peace in the midst of a storm. You see, faith stabilizes instability. It's nice, you know, when you're living by faith, because it's sort of like you have, um, like you have a little nest egg saved up against a rainy day. Sometimes things go wrong and things need to be repaired. You know, the, the car needs repairs or uh, maybe your, your children's teeth need dentures or something. You know, bills pile up. And if you have zero, if you're running on a razor, then uh, you, your income matches all of your outcome, your outgo. And then something bad happens, all of a sudden, you know, what do you do? But if you have a little nest egg there, if you're able to put away a little bit of money, we used to call it a PEF, a personal emergency fund. And if you're able to have a little bit salted away, boy, that sure is a good feeling that you don't have to go into debt. Listen, I'm a big advocate for living um, in the black. I'm, I'm against debt. Now I know that sometimes you have to incur debt. I know that. I understand that. Uh, try and buy a house, for example. And if you can uh, reasonably afford a house um, with all of the uh, accompanying expenses that go along with owning a house, it's far more than just paying rent, isn't it? But if you can comfortably do that, then maybe you should do that and build up some equity. That's good. That's something good. But there's so many other debts that we really don't need. And the world, of course, is telling us that we're not satisfied with this. We need a new one. We're not satisfied with that. We need two, two of those. And this now, it's last year's model. We need to get this year's model. And all of the other little things that, a, that accompany. And that's the world's way. And of course, people are in debt up over their heads. I personally am against that. And I don't think we have to be in debt. I think we can live debt free. And that's a good feeling. It's a great feeling to, to have some food in your cupboards so that if all of a sudden, you know, company comes over, or if there's a, some kind of shortfall, you've got some food there. It's always nice to have gas in your tank. That you're not always running on fumes. You see? Faith, by living by faith, it, it feels just like that. It feels like you've got food on your shelves, gas in your tank, a little money salted away against a rainy day. Living a life of faith gives you that comfort, knowing... God is right there saying, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I believe it with all my heart. That's why I'm sharing it with you tonight. Faith stabilizes the instabilities of life. Absolutely. Faith also stabilizes us against success. Now some might figure, what do we need stability against success? I mean, when you've got plenty of health and plenty of wealth and plenty of, of uh, popularity and friends, what do you need stability for for some people that's exactly when they fall apart when they have lots of money lots of health lots of friends lots of lots of everything that's when they get into trouble that's when things can fall apart on them in psalm 62 verse 10 it says if riches increase set not your heart upon them so we put our faith in what god says and if all of a sudden we find ourselves having You know, a real substantial cash flow, for example. Well, we're not going to look at that money and start rubbing our hands together and dollar signs, chink, chink, up in our eyes. We're not going to start thinking of all of the things we can buy and the places we can go and the pleasures we can experience. If riches increase, don't set your heart on those things. That's what God is saying. And so we put our faith in what God says and we have stability. Faith stabilizes the the unstable times of life like adversity and like success and also when evil words are spoken about us. And it happens. If it has never happened to you yet, maybe it will happen to you tomorrow. But at some point, someone is going to say some evil words against you. They may say them privately to this person over there or they may say them publicly on a loudspeaker over there. But at some point, someone is going to say some evil things about you. And faith will be there to help stabilize us. We put our faith in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, when He said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall, shall speak all manner of evil against you falsely for My sake. And we put our faith in what God says. And in the book of Romans, where God says, Beloved, avenge not yourself. Vengeance is Mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We put our faith in what God says. And we can sleep peacefully at night because faith stabilizes the unstable and the instable and the instability of life. Um, Something else is that faith keeps us steady when the work is hard and when the day doesn't seem long enough and when demands are made upon you and, and the work piles up, faith can help stabilize you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 assures us that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in, in, in the work for, for the Lord, knowing that your, work, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And our faith in the Word of God stabilizes us when the workload gets heavy. So you need to ask yourself, Do you have the faith that keeps you moving in the midst of darkness? When darkness comes into your life, and it seems to block out the sun, and when the wind starts whipping up the waves, do you have the faith to keep on moving forward for Jesus? Please take your Bible, turn back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, and let's look at this together. Luke chapter 8. Here's a familiar story. In verse 22, Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, now it came to pass on a certain day that He went into a ship with His disciples and He said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. There was His word. There was His will for their lives. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, He fell asleep and there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. No one's denying that. No one's denying the boat was full of water. No one was denying there was a terrible storm. No one was denying that people often die, drown, perish in such storms as they had done in the Sea of Galilee in that large, large lake. Verse 24. And they came to him, Jesus, and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Faith in his word. And his word was let's go over to the other side of the lake. When God says, let's go over to the other side of the lake, I think we can believe Him. The disciples were in the process of learning who Jesus was. They were amazed when all this happened. And indeed, they took a little jump in faith that day, I think. You see, faith is there to stabilize us against instable Or unstable situations. It was um, King David who, as a teenage boy, he experienced the stability. You remember he recounted to King Saul when he was just before he went out to fight against Goliath. He told King Saul his reasons why he thinks he could fight that big giant. And he talked about a time when he was tending the sheep and there came a lion. Out after the sheep. And another time a bear came after the sheep. And how God delivered him out of the, out of the paw. <laughs> out of the hand. Out of the paw of the lion and of the bear. And that God will deliver him out of the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. And so there's David. Recalling past successes. And he lived by faith. You see, that's what faith will do for you and for me. That's why we need it, folks. That's why every Christian, man, woman, young person needs to live by faith. Because faith stabilizes instability. Now, something else that faith will do is faith cleanses sin. Faith will cleanse sin. We're all built in with a certain amount of sin, it seems, that's in us. One, of, one sin that's very prominent very common to all of us. And that's selfishness. And we're born that way. We come into the world and all we can think about is ourselves. And then as we grow up, hopefully we start to realize there's others in the world and we start to, you know, set our selfishness aside. But it tends to be there all through our lives is selfishness. And uh, sometimes uh, it will get us into trouble. Faith will lead us to depend upon God in all situations. The great men and the great women of faith all learned to depend upon God in all situations. And especially situations of the heart like selfishness. Simon Peter was a great man of God, a great apostle, and God used him in a great way. As you know, he was very human. He made many mistakes. And some of them are a little humorous. Some are kind of sad. But he learned from these things and he became quite a man of faith. Well, in Acts chapter 10, there was a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. And he was a military man. And he had a few servants. He had some money. But he was a man who feared God. He wasn't even saved. And he had a fear of God. He wasn't even saved and he had an interest in heaven and an interest in eternal life. He wasn't even saved. And yet he was using his money to help uh, good causes and help the, uh, the, the synagogue and so on. He wasn't even saved. And he was trying to read the Bible and have prayer meetings and influence his, his little family and so on. And one day, God spoke to him and told him to send for a man named Simon Peter. And so Cornelius did. Now meanwhile, do you remember this story in Acts chapter 10? Meanwhile, Simon Peter is in a town called Joppa, J-O-P-P-A, and he's in, he's in a fellow's house. He's, he's up on the roof praying, and they're making ready for lunch. And while he's up on the roof, God gives him a vision of this great sheet of cloth, and it's let down from heaven. And Peter looks inside and there's all kinds of creeping things and animals and things that are forbidden for the Jew the Jew to eat. And a voice comes from heaven and says, Arise, Peter. Eat. Kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. None of these things, none of these things that are common have ever come into my mouth. So he was a good Jew and he was respecting their dietary code. He had never eaten any of these things and then the voice from heaven god said what god hath cleansed call not thou common and this happened three times for emphasis so he wouldn't miss the point and then it was drawn back up to heaven and about that time the gentile servants that cornelius had sent came knocking looking for simon peter simon peter put it together and he came down and he went with them right over to Cornelius's place the next day. And he was able to help lead those people to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the point. Up to, up to that time, Peter wouldn't have done what he did. He wouldn't have gone into the home of a Gentile. He wouldn't have had communication with them. And there was kind of a, a barrier there. And I'm not sure if we could call it real selfishness but it is it was selfish in a way keeping the gospel to themselves and faith peter's faith led him to believe and to understand that now what god hath cleansed call not thou common you know sometimes we look at people and we say "Ooh, you know we we ought to be careful because but for the grace of god that could be us walking by we ought to be very, very careful that our selfishness doesn't stop us from reaching out to someone with the Gospel. So why don't we just, you know, get out of our comfort zone a little? Give someone a tract or, or at least make communication with someone. Invite somebody to church. Faith helps us overcome this. Faith cleanses sin. You know, the wonderful thing about faith is that it will help steer us away from sin. And the Holy Spirit will use faith in God's Word to help protect us, keep us away from sin. The third thing that faith will do for us is faith empowers prayer. Faith empowers prayer. I'd like you to turn to the book of James to the right after Hebrews. You'll find James Here we are, James chapter 1. We have here a wonderful promise of God in verse 5. And this is an absolute promise of God that you can claim, you can stand upon, you can take to the bank. We have here in verse 5 the promise of God, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This wisdom doesn't mean just theological wisdom. If you're reading the Bible and there's something you don't quite understand, well, then you get on your knees and fold your hands and cry out to God in faith, asking God for wisdom, claiming James chapter 1, verse 5, and God will give you wisdom concerning that theological question you have. Now, that is true. God does give wisdom concerning things in the Bible. But it it isn't limited there. God will answer that that prayer if it's done in faith. You see verse 6, let him ask in faith. You see that? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There's that instability again. But we're we're talking here about how faith can empower your prayer. Faith in God's promise. And God's promise is that if you need wisdom, you are to ask Him. Now, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge would say, well, let's see, this is a a nut and this is a bolt and this is a funny piece of shaped metal. Uh, This over here, oh, I know what that is. I think I know what that is. That's a, a piston out of an engine. And over here, we've got some springs. And over here, we've got some flat discs. And over here, we've got some long, slender bars and so on. This is knowledge to be able to identify these things. But wisdom is to put it all together into a finished automobile engine. That's wisdom. Knowledge is like a big bolt of cloth sitting on the table. But wisdom is is a finished garment, a suit or a dress, all cut out and properly stitched together, ironed and so on. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And what God promises here is not knowledge. God promises wisdom. And so if you're working on something and you don't know what to do, you need wisdom. I learned this in a very, very practical way back back in the uh, late... 80's and very early 90's. 1980's, 1990's. um, the, The work at the church was falling apart somewhat. And I had to take work on the side to put bread on the table while I continued to pastor the church. And God opened the door for me to get into appliance repair. And so there was nothing else available, so I took it. And I got one week's training with a a Christian man. He was an appliance repair guy and he hired me on, gave me one week's training and then gave me a work order and said, here, go see if you can install this part. And I was just as scared as could be. And so I went there and prayed for wisdom and I got it installed and the appliance worked. And I felt like a conqueror, you know, a victor. Man, I felt great. Well, after those early days, I found myself in situations sitting on the floor be, behind a, a washing machine with the back off it, looking at the motor and the transmission and the belt and the different uh, harnesses and wiring and pulleys and so on, and saying to myself, what is it? Why? What's wrong with this machine? I hadn't a clue. I, I knew what the symptom was. It, the, the problem was but i didn't know how to fix it i didn't i didn't know where to look and i cried out to god for wisdom lord please show me what is the problem and it's almost like the holy spirit took my head and turned and said have you noticed a loose screw lately oh, look at that and i would tighten something up and the appliance started working again and the customer thought i was a genius god gives wisdom Oh, I'm telling you, God answers prayer. God loves to answer prayer. God is excited when we stand upon His promise. And we call out to Him for wisdom. So listen, the next time you're in the kitchen and a recipe's not working out, call unto God for wisdom. The next time your head is under the hood of the car and you're saying, what's going on? What's wrong here? Call unto God for wisdom. This afternoon, Pastor Devi and I were in my office and I got, a, I got a computer upgrade today. Hooray! My old computer was really barking and chirping and so on. So I got a computer upgrade. And so I'm good for a while yet longer. But uh, Pastor Devian is sort of our, our in-house computer guru. And so he put the computer all together and he got it there, sitting there behind my desk, and the thing wouldn't work. Well, it booted up and he would get some screen stuff but it wouldn't go into the, the windows and what I'm used to. Huh. And so he tried all kinds of things. And then I looked at him. And I mean, the time is ticking by, you know. And I, I looked at him and said, Evian, we forgot to pray and ask God for wisdom. Oh, yeah. So we bowed our heads and we prayed and asked God for wisdom. And we said, Amen. He had an idea come into his head. And so he tried something with the wiring harness, some plug or something like that, and then rebooted it again. Nothing happened. Uh. And so over the course of the next half hour, he tried different things. He tried calling up the company we bought some of the parts from, and they were very helpful. And he was able to get more on the screen, but still the computer wasn't doing really what it was supposed to. Anyhow, to make a long story short, from the time we prayed, To about 30 minutes later, the computer was up and running. And it runs really nice, really sweet. And so God really does give wisdom with computers. He gives wisdom with cars. He gives wisdom trying to fix washing machines. He gives wisdom with trying to raise children. You see, this is exciting, isn't it? When we can take a promise like this. Faith empowers prayer. So you're going to go to God and you're going to ask God for wisdom on something. But here's how you're going to do it. In verse 6, you're going to ask in faith. Faith means, God, you said in verse 5 that if I need wisdom, I'm to ask of you and you would give it to me in liberal amounts. And you wouldn't chew me out either because it says there, he up- and upbraideth not. That means God's not going to upbraid you. He's not going to chew you out saying, oh, you foolish. Oh, you stupid. You should know this by now. God's not going to do that. He's going to give you what you ask for in liberal amounts because God is loaded. God is absolutely loaded. God can give you ten times the wisdom Solomon ever had and yet God's supply of wisdom isn't diminished one micron. God is so fabulously wealthy in wisdom. He is waiting and longing for us to go to Him with this promise. Oh, this is one we ought to be using almost on a daily basis, don't you think? And we can ask God for wisdom, how to maneuver through the traffic when there's a traffic holdup or something. We can use wisdom when we're talking to someone. Now, I get people come to me all the time. They say, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Well, right away, I haven't a clue what they want. I don't know what they want. Okay? Okay. Number two, I want to be able to help. I want to be a blessing to them. And so number three, I pray for wisdom. I'm looking at them, I'm smiling, I'm talking to them, but in my heart, I'm sending up a flare prayer. Lord, I need your wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And over 40 years of pastoring and counseling, sometimes people are amazed at the answers I've given them. I got it from the Lord. What's so amazing about that? Don't you think God has the answers? Oh yes, He sure does. Well then why does it seem so incredulous when God gives us the answer in answer to our prayer so that we can give it to the person in need? We ought to be crying out to God all the time. James 1.5 Faith empowers prayer. All prayer, by the way, when you think about it, all prayer is really based on faith. Faith that God is there. Faith that God is going to hear us. Right? Faith. Every Christian man, every Christian woman needs faith. Because faith empowers prayer. Faith ought to stir us. You know, we ought to think more about others. We ought to think more about others than ourselves. We ought to live more for others. We ought to try and lead others to Jesus Christ. And so, just a short message tonight on faith and why every Christian, man, woman, and young person really needs to be full of faith like Barnabas was full of faith. Now would you pray with me? Now our wonderful, loving, heavenly Father, we acknowledge that You are are so amazing and You've set it up so that if we put faith in Your promises, then things start to happen. Now the world doesn't understand this. They only understand certain things of physics of life. They don't understand faith in the Word of God. Help us who are saved, born again. Help us who love You, to understand how to put our faith in Your promises. And that means we're going to need to read Your Word. And so, Father, help us to be to be very hungry for Your Word and to devour great amounts of Your Word every day. And to study Your Word and looking for the promises and underlining them. Maybe writing them out. Father, increase our faith so that we can live for You. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.